0: So the way I try to encourage people is, you know what, we understand that it's a blessing to get older, but it's no fun sometimes to look in the mirror and see these changes. But what you should have fun is to do whatever you want to help to fight that process. So you know what, consider getting older a a blessing, but if you want to fight it every step of the way, by all means, do that and have fun doing it. You know, I think when you look at some of these things as a chore, like skincare, uh, eating a healthy diet, if you look at that as, geez, it's a chore... Then it's going to be really hard. But if you look at it from the other perspective of like, man, it's so good to be alive. You know, it's it's so good to have another day with my wife and kids. And that's something that I try to always think about.
1: Cat Sadler now. 2024. How is it possible? We're here, y'all. A brand new year, a brand new opportunity to make it the best year yet. Welcome to Kat Sadler Now. I am Kat, and I hope you are feeling as energized as I am. I am kicking ass this year. I am achieving my wildest dreams this year. I am on fire. And I really hope that you are with me on this journey because I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm i like... I've got this fire in me, and that is that is the mindset. That is the vibe for 2024. So welcome to the show. I am Kat, and if you're new, I do this show here. I do it every week, and we drop a new episode every Tuesday, and things are only going to get better and better and better. I couldn't do it without you. The community is growing. The social media is growing. We're reaching so many more people, and my mission of helping you live your best life, my mission of helping you grow and expand and it's all coming true. So I'm so happy. Now, one of my most popular topics of last year was the facelift, my facelift. If you missed the headlines at 48 years old, I decided to get a facelift and it became a very talked about subject. I wouldn't say it was controversial, but I'll say a lot of people had something to say on the matter. The best part about it, well, not the best. <laughs> the best part is that I love when I look in the mirror. <laughs> the best part is that I wake up feeling so confident. The best part is I love my results. But the other best part is that I was able to provide some insight and information and context to what it would be like if this is something that you wanted to do for yourself. Now. That was great, and I'm glad that we tackled the subject of surgery and aging in many, many ways. But today on the show, I am so excited for you to meet someone who's taking a different approach to aging who still happens to be a plastic surgeon. Maybe you have heard of Dr. Anthony Yoon. He's all over social. He's hugely popular with more than like a million followers on Instagram, many millions of followers on TikTok. He is fun and refreshing, and you like want this guy to be your best friend. But he regards himself as a holistic plastic surgeon. We're going to get into that today. But today, he has a brand new book. It's called A Younger for Life. And while he performs the occasional facelift and other plastic surgeries for women... He's really landed on this idea about all the many things we can do for our skin before surgery, really kind of regarding surgery as the last resort or the last stop. And so for my audience, for you guys, for all my listeners who are like, I don't want to get a facelift. I respect that. And maybe you don't, or maybe you won't, or, you know, listen, we've talked about how it's expensive. we talked about how there are health risks with even having that kind of a surgery. But today, Dr. Yoon is schooling us on aging, period, what accelerates aging, and what he believes are the many ways you can turn back time, reverse the clock, turn back the clock on aging, and really achieve radiant, youthful skin. What are his thoughts on intermittent fasting? Is that helpful and why? Autophagy, what is that? What are our cells doing? What's the science of aging? He has coined this term called autojuvenation. What does that mean? What goes into that and how can it work for you? Really fascinating. I loved meeting Dr. Yoon. He's such a cool guy. And I love bringing you this really practical information so that you can arm yourself with this at the beginning of the year and maybe implement some of these practices into your own life so that when you wake up and you look in the mirror, you are feeling your best. So you're welcome. I'm glad you're here. I hope you share it with anybody and everybody you love who you know will also benefit from hearing this. Here he is, Dr. Yoon. We should just get right to this holistic surgeon title that you have and carry. And it's interesting because, I mean, you must hear this all the time, that's a bit of a oxymoron, no? Like a holistic plastic surgeon. How did you come up with this identity for yourself?
0: Yeah. So I went through traditional training. I did four years of medical school at Michigan State University. I did three years of general surgery residency training. I did two years of plastic surgery residency. Then I did a fellowship with a top plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills. And then I started my practice in Michigan. And for many years, I practiced what was basically a traditional plastic surgery practice. Sometimes physicians, doctors don't know what they don't know. And at the time, for many years, I didn't know what I didn't know. I mean, I was taught to do surgery. I performed surgery, I think, very, very well. I got to a point where I was one—you know probably the top busiest plastic surgeon in my area. I had a one-year waiting list. And then I came to an epiphany. I had a patient who had really a terrible complication from an operation. Wasn't her fault. Wasn't my fault. Just sometimes bad things happen. And it really got me into reassessing my practice and the practice of medicine altogether. As surgeons in general, we're taught that the goal is to bring people to surgery. And there's terms like to cut is to cure, the only way to heal is with cold steel. And I started realizing that this was false and that what I was doing, even though I was helping people with surgery, I was taking a cut first approach. And so I realized that the goal of plastic surgery should not be to bring people to the operating room, It should be how do I keep people out of the operating room unless they absolutely need it, you know, as Mm -hmm. a last resort. So this concept of holistic plastic surgery is using actual plastic surgery as a last resort because there is so much more that we can do with our diet, with our lifestyle, with skincare, with non-invasive treatments. It's a super exciting time in the field of non-invasive looking better, that that's what we should definitely focus on first. And then that became really the principles of my new book, Younger for Life.
1: Mm, I know. I can't wait to get into your book. And and for everybody listening, I mean, we're going to address several things about you know the causes of aging. And I know you've got lots of tips and advice for everybody. Just back to this balance of like surgery cutting versus holistic healing. It's so interesting because I don't know if you know this. I got a facelift this year. So like six months ago. And you look great. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I feel incredible. But, you know, so many people have asked Mm. me about my journey and the timing was right for me because for the last, you know, several years, I had been doing so much internal work and so much introspection and healing i would say from a holistic standpoint and you know taking supplements and really working on my health and doing my hot yoga and you know focusing on you know getting toxic things out of my life those environmental factors and so by the time i actually wanted to do surgery i don't know if it was a last resort it was certainly an elective procedure but i do believe you can marry both of those worlds and clearly you are a mm-hmm. living example of that that's your entire purpose Right now?
0: Yeah, you know, and some of this really started too as I started really looking and diving into nutrition and alternative health and uh, skincare and things that really, you know, as a plastic surgeon, we don't really get a whole lot of training in at all. You know, if I go to a, our annual plastic surgery meetings, they have food for us for lunch. And what is it? It's going to be like a turkey sub on white bread with mayo. And then they've got like a, a, a chocolate chip cookie from, you know, that's been prepackaged, like ultra processed cookie. They'll give soda pop. And it's like, so there's a lack of true understanding, I think, about the effects of nutrition Mm -hmm. and lifestyle on our appearance in general plastic surgery. But they don't know this. Like I said, you know, you don't know sometimes what you don't know. And so I do agree. You know, I do still perform a lot of surgery. I operate two to three days a week. I do a lot of facelifts, I do uh, breast lifts, breast enhancement, tummy tucks, lipo. I do a lot of different operations. But once again, if I can get somebody, healthy and happy without going under the knife that's always my ideal goal you know but being realistic that sometimes there are things that you just can't get unless you actually have surgery that's why I still operate
1: absolutely and I know you were very much in demand and I for everybody um, who's tuned in you were in detroit how's the weather there by the way is it cold cold and dark yet <laughs>
0: it's cold yeah but you know i tell you i was in la literally three days ago doing uh, some podcast touring and stuff like that so i've been there recently it's and got kind of that sun that i needed so you got I'm your doing fix okay.
1: got your fix of the sunshine yes, yes. i'm i'm from indiana born and raised so i i very oh, much okay. understand you know i was your neighbor i guess growing up yes Well, you know what time it is. It's a new year. It's a time when everybody is thinking about their health and kind of detoxing from often the damage we did in December. I want to tell you about HelloFresh. I told you about HelloFresh before. I love this company. I love this experience because you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip the grocery store altogether, and you can actually count on HelloFresh to make your home cooking easy, fun, and, hmm, are you like me? You want to save some money this month? It's affordable. You're not spending all the money on the restaurants time and time again. That's why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Whether your resolution is maybe to save money, or you just want to eat better this time of year, eat better all year. You want to stress less? HelloFresh is here to help you do all three of those. Say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you guys are gonna like. And again, it's delivered right to your door. I've been eating HelloFresh the last couple of weeks while the kids have been here, while Ryan's been here. He's a huge fan of the ooh, the sesame soy beef bowls. Very popular with my men, my little young men. My personal favorite is the sweet ginger pork chops with broccoli and rice. Super, super tasty. And again, so easy. This time of year, everybody's looking to revamp their eating habits. Look to HelloFresh's wholesome health forward options like their 30 calorie smart meals and their protein smart recipes week after week. Okay. All you got to do, go to hellofresh.com slash catfree and use code catfree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash catfree with code catfree, C-A-T-T-F-R-E-E. Hellofresh.com slash catfree, America's number one meal kit. And I wanted to to speak to your point you just made, you know, some things cannot be fixed without surgery and your own personal mm-hmm. story as a young boy and how you were feeling invisible or you were feeling insecure. And, and can you can you tell everybody a little bit about your own personal experience and how making that change for yourself also, you know, uh, propelled you towards your life's work?
0: Yeah. So I'm the the middle child of Korean immigrants. So my parents immigrated from Korea, gosh, 55 years ago, something like that now. And they were first generation. My dad was an OBGYN. My mom was a nurse. And as a middle child, you know, my dad lived on a rice farm out in Korea, was very poor. And essentially he became a doctor, became an OBGYN and helped lift his family out of poverty and live the American dream. And so the day that I was born, he decided I was going to be a doctor too because being a doctor means success and they didn't understand that there are other jobs out there (laughs) that could be successful too. Maybe
1: a lawyer, right? Maybe.
0: Maybe. Yeah. And as a dutiful middle child, I just was like, sure, I'll do whatever I'm supposed to. I mean, that's just kind of, that's fine. And I had this general idea that I wanted to help people in some way so fast forward high school during my sophomore to senior year of high school my jaw started growing and it started growing to these massive proportions to the point where my jaw stuck out so much I could stick my tongue through the gap between my top teeth and my bottom teeth that gap was so wide I ended up having orthognathic surgery where they actually broke my jaw and set it back and wired it in place and then and then literally wired my jaw shut for 6 weeks I healed from that and it really changed how I looked at myself. And it was really my first inkling of how your appearance can really change the trajectory of your life and how you feel about you. Fast forward, I go through medical school and I think that I'm going to be a general surgeon. My dad wanted me to be a thoracic surgeon or a cardiac surgeon or a neurosurgeon mm-hmm. or transplant surgeon, like these high powered surgical specialties. And I realized very quickly that that's just not my personality. Like I don't thrive on like life and death because if some ba- something bad happens, I think I'd feel so bad about it. I just could not deal with that on a day-to-day basis. And so for a while, I thought about going into family practice because I liked the idea of treating whole families. And then I discovered plastic surgery and it was a complete lock at that point. I have a lot of history with art and, and this is really the fact that i love mm-hmm. using my hands. This mm-hmm. really became like the perfect profession for me. And so with that past history, it's like, okay, I, I do get it. You know, I do get how changing your appearance can completely change your life, completely change how you look at yourself. You know, I've heard your podcasts about the just the changes that you've gone through in the last six months, and uh, you know, I think that there, it's you know, there are different different operations, but in some ways, it's the same thing uh, of how you feel.
1: Yes, I mean, it comes back to that that confidence piece for sure. And and speaking to my age in particular, and women at midlife, and this aging piece, I mean, you can't yeah. escape it. And I, I love your approach, and and I, I'm sure what your new book is is so very much focused on. You know, you're a best-selling author. You've already released so many books. So how was Younger for Life born? And who were you speaking to with this offering?
0: Yeah. So I thought that I'd hit the pinnacle of success in my practice. I was doing all this surgery, you know, but then there are things now they look back and I go, man, how did I not realize this? So for example, when I would have patients come to see me prior to surgery and they'd say, Hey, I'm on all these supplements, what should I do? My answer is, well, just go off of your supplements and just eat a regular diet. You're fine. And I didn't know once again what I didn't know at the time. And once I had this happen with my patient, I started really rethinking. Like, geez, what, what am, where am I wrong in my thinking of of being a doctor? And I realized really that one of the things that I was never taught is a lot of these preventative types of things. You know, we didn't get hardly any nutrition training throughout my entire training. Other than if somebody was, let's say, in the ICU, they were very sick. What would we put into the feeding tube to keep them alive? Essentially, you know we didn't hear, we didn't know anything otherwise about nutrition. Uh, once again, eating these types of the foods in the cafeteria and stuff that are really, really bad for you and for your skin.
1: I know every time um, you go so to a hospital or you're admitted to a hospital yeah. or you're visiting somebody at a hospital, it's like the one place where you think you would be nourished. You are served up ultra processed toxic yeah. crap. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, every 2 a.m., I'd be in the hospital overnight taking care of patients and they would have the fry bar open up. And it was like deep fried mozzarella sticks, deep fried apple slices, French fries, tater tots. And it's like, this is at the freaking hospital. You know, and the crazy thing nowadays is there was a, a physician who made a video basically saying, hey, look, you know, I'm at a hospital right now. Look at this horrible food here. And there were so many doctors that came out of the woodwork trashing This doctor for saying that this food is bad, basically saying, "Look, you know, when people are sick, they just want to have food. It's comfort food. It's okay. You know, don't don't get on people's case about you know what this food is good, this food is bad. Not you know, all food is good." And it's like, oh my gosh! Once again, they don't know what they don't know. And so I finally realized that there's so much I needed to learn, and I spent years, thousands and thousands of hours, and. Reading information and books from alternative health experts, holistic health experts, nutritionists, skincare experts, even dermatologists, and I really came to kind of this understanding of of this concept that's called autojuvenation. And essentially, what it is is that your body contains or has a regenerative potential to rejuvenate itself. It has those abilities to do it on its own. You just have to give it the right tools and the right environment to do that. Mm-hmm. And the tools and the environment are really five main things, focusing on what you eat, when you eat, nutritional supplements, skincare, and non-invasive treatments. And if you focus on these five things, I strongly believe that the vast majority of people, maybe 80%, maybe even 90%, can look and feel amazing and not feel like they have to go under the knife to get where they want to be. And once again, if somebody does, you know, I still do surgery. I know you've had surgery, you've been very open about it, I'm happy to do surgery if somebody feels that that's what's going to get them where they want to be, but there's so many people that don't want surgery and they feel lost right. and they feel like, geez, if I don't have a facelift, I'm always going to feel like I look this way. And there is a lot of hope for those people. And, and it's those five things, that idea of autojuvenation, and that's why I ended up writing the book.
1: Aha. So this, this, this concept of autojuvenation is that something you coined or is that swirling in yes. the medical world?
0: No, it's something I coined because honestly when you know it's funny because if you talk to a holistic health expert and you say, "Hey, what do I do to get beautiful healthy skin?" they'll tell you to heal your gut. Yeah. If you talk to a dermatologist, "What do I do to get beautiful healthy skin?" they'll tell you, "Oh, use sunscreen and apply retinol." And if you talk to a plastic surgeon, they'll probably tell you to get Botox, maybe to have a facelift. Well, really I feel like that the best approach, which is one that I've never honestly read in a book before, is a true inside outside, is a true integrative approach where you combine the inside, the diet, the supplements, you know, with the skincare. And if needed, you know, for certain issues, you can get into those non-invasive or minimally invasive treatments. But really, it's kind of taking anti-aging and putting it all together in a true integrative perspective. And that's where, honestly, I've read so many books by other authors. I've not read a book on the aging skin, the aging face, turning back the clock. That is a true integrative approach. And so I decided, well, why don't I, I write that then?
1: Amen. I love it so much. I am such a fan of everything you were saying. I do believe it's like coming from all of these angles can really empower women. And and so many of these are practical choices that people can make. Like you said, not everybody wants to go under the knife. And, And that's why one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today, because I have certainly been fielding so many questions from women everywhere about, you know, a facelift or a neck lift or a blepharoplasty, which I also did. And I'm I'm so glad to give them information, but there are alternatives and there are other ways and or integrating all of the above can't hurt, right? So back to those five things. And again, guys, you can buy his book and read it page, you know, cover to back or back to cover. What do you say? Cover to (laughs) cover. 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 Thank you. (laughs) So one of the things I was really proud about um, on this show last year, had a number of experts on addressing toxins in our lives in our world, and a lot of them invisible, some of them visible, some of them invisible, these fatal conveniences that we really don't think about in our fast-paced, very busy, hectic lives. But, as you know, I'm so committed to health and longevity. And so one of my commitments this year, I'm going to be, far more conscious of the products that I am using. One thing I hadn't really thought about was my period care products. So you guys, I made the switch to Cora, and I'm so excited to tell you all about it. So Cora makes comfortable period care products, you know, that actually feel good in your body, that really work and are made with clean ingredients so we can feel good about using Cora. If you haven't tried Cora yet, now is the perfect time. I love that this brand is created by a woman. I also love that with every purchase, Cora provides period products and body education to people who might otherwise go without that. So super cool. So do what I did. Make the switch to Cora. Their products are comfortable. Again, I feel good when using them and they work. Why go to toxins. Why go to chemicals when you can have Cora? Pick up Cora products at your local Target or CVS or have it delivered directly to your door. You can visit my special URL that's cora.life slash cat and use my promo code cat. That's 20% off at C-O-R-A dot life slash cat with promo code cat. The diet piece, you know, you that was mm-hmm. the first the first step, you know, as it it pertains to eating and living longer, like what really, what are the important components there?
0: Yeah. So the way I look at it is I focus on the five main causes of the skin. Okay. And diet impacts almost all of those. And so the way I look at diet, it's like the anti-aging whole process is like you're building a house. And if you look at a facelift or Botox, that's like the spire at the top of the house, the foundation of the house is gonna be the food that you eat. And so I strongly believe that the quality of the food, that your nutrition really, really impacts the health and the appearance of your skin. So once again, there are five main things that I focus on that are the main cause of aging the skin and once again diet having a huge impact on that. So the first cause is nutrient depletion, is not getting enough nutrients. Second cause is collagen degradation. We lose about 1% of the thickness of collagen in our skin every year. Third cause is chronic inflammation, not acute inflammation, which can be a good thing, but chronic inflammation. Fourth cause is oxidation or free radicals. And then the fifth cause is a buildup of cellular waste. So when you look at food, really what you're looking at is uh, nutrition. Okay, the number one is nutrient depletion. So eating the right foods. You know, there are foods in our diet that are really devoid of nutrition, and those are typically ultra processed foods. Uh, Foods that are not in their natural state, and the easiest way to determine, hey, is this ultra processed or not? Is does that food look like the food that it came from, the plant that it came from? Okay, and if the food does not, like let's say a Twinkie, you know, if you look at a Twinkie, what what fruits and vegetables did this come from? Like, I have no idea. (laughs) Whereas if you look at let's say steamed broccoli or a salad, you know, you know what that food is. Or you know, for people saying, well, geez, these are all vegetables. If you have, let's say, one of my favorite dishes, bibimbap. I grew up eating that. It's a Korean dish. Like It looks like the food that it originally is. And so you're going to get a much higher nutrient content if you're eating true whole foods versus these ultra-processed foods. So that's the first thing. Second thing, collagen degradation. Once again, we lose about 1% of the thickness of collagen every year. Collagen is composes 70 to 80% of what our skin is made out of. And it's the part of our skin that makes it nice and tight. And so what we do is we lose that. Well, what is collagen? Collagen is a protein. And so you need to get sufficient amounts of protein in your diet to help support that collagen. Third cause of aging skin, chronic inflammation. Okay, chronic inflammation, that causes damage to our skin in a chronic fashion. What's the main cause of chronic inflammation? One huge one, sugar. And so reducing the amount of sugar you eat, avoiding those big sugar spikes by eating too many refined carbs, that can help also to um, slow down the aging of that skin. And then the, the main the other the final thing is free radicals. Uh, free radicals are oxidation. A lot of people think of this as kind of a chemical reaction, but essentially free radicals are these damaging molecules that can damage the DNA of our cells. They are neutralized by antioxidants. Well, free radicals are very plentiful in Alter processed foods. And so, once again, those foods that don't look like their original form, those typically have been so alter processed that a lot of times they contain free radicals, and our body's defense against free radicals are antioxidants. Antioxidants are plentiful and colorful fruits and vegetables. And so, eating the rainbow of fruits and vegetables can fight that off. And so, there's just a very quick overview about just all the different things that food can do, either to make your skin look younger or to even make it look older.
1: Yes. And do you think, you know, we this notion of turn turning back the clock and and reversing aging. I'm do you really think if people lean into all those different pillars, you can see and really notice measurable change in their overall skin and the face that they put forward to the world?
0: I think it depends on the situation, but yes, you know. So if you've got somebody like yourself and you've got beautiful skin, you know, if you change your diet is your skin going to look younger? Maybe not because your skin looks, I think, about as nice as it could be in a woman of your age. But you're not the average person. You know, the average person has age spots. They've got wrinkles. They've got sun damage. They may have inflammation of the skin. They may have rosacea and redness. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that by changing your diet and then, you know, getting on certain nutritional supplements that that skin can actually look healthier and more youthful? Definitely, especially if you target it from the outside, too, with skincare. And so the way I look at it is there's a chronological age and there's your biological age. Can you re- can you reverse your chronological age? No, you know, I'm 51 years old, can I turn 49? No, I would love for that to be possible. I'd love to be <laughs> Benjamin Button, but it doesn't work that way. But can you reduce your biological age, especially on the surface of your skin? Definitely. I mean, you reduced your biological age by having this operation. Yeah. Can we do that without going under the knife? Definitely we can
1: It's so wild you brought that up because that was one of my questions for you because there does seem to be, for people that are super into health and longevity like myself, I'm always binging all these different like nerdy science podcasts. And the fact that there's this discussion now and there's research out there that's providing people this potential hope of, hold on, wait a minute, we actually can reverse our biological age. That's like crazy. There's this company in particular, Tally Health, who I'm just, have Mm -hmm. you heard of them at all? It's like,
0: I've heard, I don't know them really well, but I
1: have heard the name. Yeah. But that's kind of their whole mission is to make testing of your biological age versus your actual age available to everybody eventually. So everyone can have access to the potential of living younger, which is, you know, Mm. again, exactly what we're talking about.
0: You know, and it's interesting because when you talk to anti-aging researchers, and there are a lot of anti-aging researchers out there who that's all they focus on, one of the things that they really focus on, if they were to say, hey, what one thing can I do to extend my lifespan to live longer naturally, they'll tell you to restrict calories, to reduce how much you eat. Well, most of us don't want to completely restrict our calories because we don't want to be hungry all the time. But what's a way to do that that will gain you a similar benefit? That's intermittent fasting. And so intermittent fasting is definitely one of those tools to help to reduce your biological age to actually live longer. And I'm finding, and this is a big part of my book, is that that's also something that you can do to help improve the health of your skin too. So, but the interesting thing, Kat, is that a lot of these anti-aging researchers, you look at them and they don't look that young, (laughs) you know, it's like they may live a while, but I don't know how they don't necessarily like, you know look like they've got beautiful skin. And so once again, you know, it's kind of like when I have my friends who are holistic practitioners, I'm like, hey, what do you think you should do for good skin? Like, oh, heal your gut, heal your gut. And it's like, but then they got sun damage and stuff like that. So really, it's kind of that true integrative inside outside approach that's going to really get the best benefit when you're looking at
1: it. Yes, that's such a good point. It's all of the above. Sorry everybody. It's a, it's a work. It's work, right? I mean, there are, you know, it's it's a list of to-dos, but by the way, it can be totally fun and and again, I I kind of get off on this stuff. But back to collagen because you brought that up and I think that's an interesting interesting thing to learn about a little bit and to maybe school people on mm-hmm. because there are a lot of mixed messages out there like collagen, that's what you, you know, need to have. Thicker skin, and or should you be taking a supplement, or what actually works? Or there's conflicting information. I feel like about collagen out there. Can, what what are your thoughts, and what do you recommend?
0: So yeah, collagen is a large protein. And if you buy a collagen cream and that cream says, oh, it's going to improve the collagen of your skin, that is actually not true. No, because our our skin, our stratum corneum, the outer layer of our skin is a barrier and it's meant to keep things out. That's how we stay healthy because you don't want viruses and bacteria to to get through the surface of your skin and, and infect you essentially. So collagen creams do not work. But then the question is, is to do collagen supplements work? Well, if you ask some traditional physicians, they may say, no, it's a big protein. And how do you know if you're even going to digest it? How do you know that it's actually going to get to your skin where it should go? And the answer is, is that there are actually studies that have really looked at it. There was a meta-analysis in 2021 of over 1,100 people who took 90 days of a hydrolyzed collagen peptide supplement. And they found a statistically significant improvement in fine lines, in hydration of the skin, and elasticity of the skin. There have been prospective randomized clinical controlled trials where they have taken a person they've put them on a hydrolyzed collagen supplement and then a couple months later actually biopsy their skin and found an increase in the thickness of collagen of their skin. So there are a lot of studies that show that collagen does support the health of the skin and even improve the collagen content of the skin. So when I hear physicians say oh there's no evidence to support collagen the fact is, is that there is a lot of evidence to support the effects of collagen. You must not have actually looked for it. Now, there's actually a doctor, he's a weight loss doctor on TikTok who I really respect. He's an older gentleman, he's probably in his 60s. He's got a big bushy beard and when he speaks, he speaks with a lot of authority about nutrition aspects and stuff. And a couple of years ago, he made a video saying that collagen supplements don't work. If you really want collagen, then just eat gelatin. And I was like, yeah, you know, he, I disagree with him, but that's okay. And, and interesting enough, Kat, a couple of weeks ago, he had a new video, a video where he's watching the old video. He swipes it away and he says, you know, sometimes in medicine we have our beliefs and we are proven wrong by, by research. And he's like, I was wrong about this subject and collagen supplements do work. And I was, I was floored because here's the physician saying, look, I was wrong, the studies do support it. And so my feeling at this point now, you know, I think if it was five, seven years ago, And you have a physician saying, oh, you know, this, nobody knows, you know, there's not enough studies, whatever, like there are now there are. And if you don't believe in it, it's just that you haven't looked those studies up, or Mm. maybe you're just playing anti supplement period, which I was, you know, when I started my practice, because of what I was trained at, and other doctors tell me, oh, supplements are a waste of time, they're a waste of money. And so we kind of believe what we are told through school, because, you know, once again, they teach us. And Sometimes we open our eyes and we realize, well, actually I was taught this, I believe this, but is there any evidence to support this belief? And you start really getting into the research and go, wow, actually maybe there isn't. Mm. Uh, and so so that, that's kind of, I think what happens. And, and I do believe that over the next five to 10 years, we're gonna hear a lot of people, you know, that the, the naysayers of collagen are gonna get a much smaller and smaller
1: group. Critical thinking, people, critical thinking. We gotta question this stuff. What is your favorite form of collagen? You know, you say supplements, and I'm thinking, are, are you know, if for people listening, do the capsule forms or the powder forms? Or there's so much on the market to choose from.
0: Yeah. So in general, the powder is going to be better. In general, the capsules are essentially the powder put in capsules. So what you want to look for is a hydrolyzed collagen peptide, or hydrolyzed collagen peptides. Or the the term hydrolyzed is really important because you know the fact is is like I mentioned, collagen is a large protein and Hydrolyzed collagen means that that large protein has been broken down into individual amino acids Mm -hmm. or chunks of peptides, which are basically a handful of amino acids. And so the idea is you take that large protein, you break it down to much smaller chunks that make it much easier for your GI tract to absorb. And that's done on purpose, you know, because these companies, you know, we know that you're going to digest it better and get a better result if that collagen is broken down. So I would look for a hydrolyzed, hydrolyzed collagen peptides in a powder form. If you do capsules, that's fine. I just don't like taking all those capsules. It's yeah. so much easier just to just pour that, that uh, collagen powder either in a, a cup of coffee, or I, I actually pour it in hot water now. The one that we use, now full disclosure, I, I do sell a collagen supplement in my skincare line, You Beauty, that's our top selling supplement. But the stories that I hear from people who buy it, from my patients, from my mom who takes it, I mean it's it works. It really does make a difference.
1: Wow. Eddie. Ladies, did you know that one of the most common complaints from women about their sexual health is a frustrating low libido? Our sex drives can decline, but it's also treatable. Addy or Flibanserin is FDA approved and has been clinically proven to increase sexual desire in certain premenopausal women who are bothered by a low libido. If you feel like you've lost your desire and you want to get it back, stop falling for the snake oils and ask your doctor about Addy today or go to addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I.com. Addy is for premenopausal women with acquired generalized hypoactive sexual desire disorder, HSDD, who have not had problems with low sexual desire in the past, who have low sexual desire no matter the type of sexual activity, the situation, or the sexual partner. The low sexual desire is troubling to them and is not due to a medical or mental health problem, problems in the relationship, or medicine or other drug use. Addie is not for use in men or to enhance sexual performance. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is increased if you drink one to two standard alcoholic drinks close in time to your Addie dose. Wait at least two hours after drinking before taking Addy at bedtime. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is also increased if you take certain prescriptions, over-the-counter or herbal medications, or have liver problems. Low blood pressure and fainting can happen when you take Addy even if you don't drink alcohol or take other medicines. Do not take if you are allergic to any of the ingredients in Addie. Allergic reactions may include hives, itching, or trouble breathing. Sleepiness, sometimes serious, can occur. Common side effects include dizziness, nausea, tiredness, difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, and dry mouth. See full PI and medication Guide, including box warning at Addy.com forward slash PI or call 844 pink pill. Go to Addy.com and use code cat for a $10 telemedicine appointment to find out if Addie is right for you. I want to go back to intermittent fasting, and you mentioned that, and I didn't mean to gloss over it because that's another um, that's another term that people have heard about, and there do seem to be schools of people who are like, "That's that's nonsense. It's still three meals a day. Why? How? Why would you deprive yeah. yourself early in the morning?" Um, I personally, I, I I think I started inter- intermittent fasting not on purpose, but probably four years ago or something, just because I started noticing that when I skip breakfast, I wasn't as hungry throughout the day. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like if I have breakfast, I'm starving two hours later. And if I, if I don't have breakfast, like by the time I have my first meal, I'm actually generally feeling more even in my overall energy and whatnot. So you're a believer. Do you intermittent fast yourself?
0: I do. Yeah. Not every day, but I do intermittent fast.
1: Okay. Well, tell us why you're a fan.
0: So, the, you know, the idea of intermittent fasting is that you it's another name for it is time-restricted eating, where you limit your eating window to anywhere from eight, well, I mean, I guess you do less, but in general, eight to maybe 12 hours a day. And so the idea essentially is that you stop eating at about 8 p.m. and then you start eating again the next day at about noon if you want to do a 12-hour fast and you go eight to eight. Now, during the time that you're fasting, it's totally fine. You should hydrate. So drinking water, uh, coffee, black coffee, tea, anything that's Non-caloric is typically fine. Now, a lot of people look at intermittent fasting as it being beneficial for your metabolism, as it being beneficial for weight loss. And there are some studies that show, oh, because you may, you're because only going, having two meals a day instead of three, you may get less caloric intake, in which case you could potentially lose weight from it. As a plastic surgeon, as a holistic plastic surgeon, I look at it from a little bit of a different perspective. Yes, you know, you may, some people find that they feel better when they're intermittent fasting, they may feel less brain fog, they may feel like they have more energy and things like that. They may feel they can, can, you know, put their weight at a level that they want to be much better. But you can really look at it from a truly anti-aging perspective. So the way that I look at it is this, the fifth cause of aging of the skin is this buildup of cellular waste. So when our cells are essentially functioning 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they create intracellular waste, meaning waste products inside the cell. These waste products are organelles, are proteins. They're maybe used up in old mitochondria that can build up inside of our cells and essentially slow down the cell's functioning, make it so it doesn't function as efficiently because it's kind of building up with these unwanted waste products. Mm -hmm. So what cleans out these cells is a process called autophagy. Autophagy means self-eating. And essentially, it is an intracellular recycling process where our body will actually recycle that intracellular waste for fuel. And it will use that intracellular waste for fuel. And as it does, it cleans out the inside of our cells. Our cells function more efficiently and effectively afterwards, essentially more youthfully afterwards. So this is a natural process that everybody's body can do. But in order for it to do that, you have to give your body a period where it's not being fed with fuel. You have to stop eating for a while. And the belief is is that you need approximately 12 hours or more where you're not eating for that process to really start kicking in effectively. And so it's it's effectively an intracellular inside cleanup process of your body where you clean out your cells. They function more efficiently, more effectively, as long as you take that time off of eating. And so we have had people who have uh, done these types of things. And we have in the book, there's a 21-day jumpstart where we, um, for the first week, we clean up people's diet. We get rid of the ultra-processed foods, the excess sugar, uh, uh, dairy, and gluten. And we really clean up their diet for one week. We start them on certain nutritional supplements and a very simple skincare regime. And then weeks two and three, we put them on just two days a week of intermittent fasting, and we found some incredible changes in their skin after just three weeks now it's not a facelift okay i can get this before mm-hmm. and after of a facelift or an eyelid lift but people found their skin looked more radiant it looked more youthful people would actually stop them i, I we had people who while they were doing this strangers would stop them and ask them on the street hey you know i just want to ask you like what do you do with your skin because it looks so vibrant and then people would go out with their friends not knowing their friends would know that they're doing this 21 day jumpstart. And and their friends would be like, wow, you must be doing something because you look fantastic. And so really it's that kind of inside-outside approach that was huge and autophagy being a big part of that.
1: Autophagy, that is so cool, isn't I mean, I, to me, I just think it's fascinating what our bodies can do. And having this knowledge, it's like just, it's so empowering that we have these choices that we can be making to just aid Our entire health journey and looking radiant, and if looking younger is that's an added, added bonus. Is dairy as big an evil as sugar, in your opinion?
0: I think that dairy, in general, I'm not a big fan of dairy. Now, you know, in full disclosure, I eat dairy occasionally. I mean, I do myself like a slice of pizza, but the problem is, is is, in our society, it's there's so much dairy that we ingest, you know, and some people argue that that may be the number one cause of of of, uh, obesity in the United States is is dairy specifically in the form of cheese.
1: Oh my God, Uh, it's my favorite. I I couldn't do a life without cheese.
0: It's tough. I think that dairy, ideally it's limiting dairy and understanding that there are inflammatory factors in dairy. And so what that is, you know, so for me, I'm somewhat lactose intolerant and the vast majority of the world that is not European is lactose intolerant. So that's one issue. A uh, second issue is the uh, casein in the uh, dairy, which is a protein, can be inflammatory and triggering for a lot of people. You know, there's yeah. people who get allergies to the casein. Yeah, and so and then there's the hormones that that you're concerned about. You know, there's a saying in holistic medicine that milk is a perfect food if you're a growing calf. And so we are mm-hmm. the only species that drinks the milk of other species, of other beings. And so there's a question of whether just we we need to have all those extra hormones and all that. If you've got an acne uh, issue, then one of the things I would recommend you try is going off of dairy because there is science to support a connection between dairy intake and acne as well.
1: Okay. Great tips. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's so big. To pivot a little towards the cosmetic treatments that you do? Because I feel like we've touched on a lot of wonderful things to do with our, our diet and and going on the inside. As, as it pertains to the outside and attaining a more youthful look, other than a, say, facelift, what are some of your favorite cosmetic procedures that you are a fan of?
0: Yeah, I think one of the big ones, and it's super popular right now, I think for good reason, is Morpheus 8. Uh, Morpheus 8, uh, is radio frequency microneedling. And right now I would say it's the gold standard for skin tightening, uh, across the country. So, so what is the difference? Just here's an example. What's the difference between skin tightening and let's say having a facelift, you know, when should you consider Morpheus 8 versus having a facelift? So certain operations, you know, the one thing that we cannot do non-invasively or non-surgically is get rid of excess skin. So if you've got skin that's hanging, if you have jowls, there's nothing we can do non-invasively to, to get rid of excess skin. So excess skin of the eyelids, excess skin hanging from the neck, excess skin hanging from the tummy, if somebody's lost a bunch of weight or if they've had many children, you know th- there's no cream, there's no injection that's going to make that go away. So in those situations you have to consider surgery. However, if you've got some looseness of the skin but it's not hanging, well then potentially a skin tightening treatment may help with that. And right now, like I said, the, the big one is Morpheus 8. All of these skin tightening treatments work by the same mechanism. I mentioned earlier that our collagen composes 70 to 80% of our skin. And, as, and the way I describe collagen, they're like the logs of a log cabin. And when you're young, those logs are nice and tight, they're smooth, they're strong, and that, and that log cabin is nice and sturdy. But as we get older, those logs start to fray, they start to fall apart, they start to come apart, they start to get loose. And when you undergo, let's say, a laser treatment or a chemical peel or, or Morpheus 8, what you're doing is you're creating a controlled acute trauma or an acute inflammation to that collagen. You're damaging it. And when it heals, it heals in a tighter fashion. So essentially, you're putting those logs of that log cabin, you're tightening them back up. Mm. Now, lasers, do, lasers create this, this controlled trauma by using light energy. Chemical peels do that by using an acid. Morpheus 8 does it by causing a poke using a tiny needle, and then that needle is insulated all the way up to the tip of the needle, which emits radiofrequency energy or heat. So with the the thing with Morpheus 8 is you get the benefit of the traumatic poke, but also the deep heating. So you're kind of getting that that collagen regeneration, that that collagen tightening in two different ways. And so that's one reason why it's great. And, And then what happens then is the collagen tightens up, but once again, it doesn't lift. It tightens, and there definitely is a big difference there.
1: You know, I tried Morpheus 8. I found it to be very painful. Do you hear that from your patients?
0: So I think everybody's different. I've had it myself a couple of times, and I tolerate it pretty well. Okay. I think it's every, you know, some people I think are a little more sensitive. Yeah. And so you just never know. So for us, we do it just under a topical anesthetic where we apply topical cream to the mm-hmm. skin, and we'd find that people tend to tolerate it pretty well. It's not fun. To undergo, but it definitely it definitely helps. And so there's some people who do it with nitrous, and that can help in some cases. Okay. But like so for us, we just use a topical, and most of the patients seem to do pretty well.
1: Wow. You look fantastic, by the way. You look so young. Oh, I mean, you. I, I like you are the perfect person to be out here <laughs> presenting this message to the world because you you look so radiant. And I I mean what oh, is tell, take thank us through what you do and what you're doing. We just need to follow your well, lead. First
0: is it's um Asian, so Asian don't raisin. That's a big <laughs> saying in Asian circles. Asian um, don't raisin. Yeah,
1: I mean, well, and humor, because I mean, again, I watch I watch your TikTok videos and you're so funny. I it's amazing to me oh, just you. how much fun you in infuse into your world when you could be like the busiest guy in the world. and You're in surgery one minute, you're out here on your book tour the next minute, you're doing podcasts, but you look like you're enjoying your life. I mean, that's invaluable, no?
0: Well, and I think that's a big part of it. You know, in my book, that's one of the things we talk about is lifestyle and how your lifestyle can truly impact in a major way aging. And a big part of it is gratitude and, you know, being being appreciative that you're alive. You know, when people say, geez, I don't, it makes me sad when I get older. And for me, you know, too, I'm 51 and man, turning 50 was tough. But at the same time, I think about it and it's like, okay, what are the alternatives to, to getting older is you cannot get older and that we don't want that. So I, the way I look at it is it's a blessing to get older because who wants the alternative? But it's not so fun to look in the mirror and see a face that has some jowls, it has puffiness under the eyes, some lines that you don't like. And so the way I try to encourage people is, you know what, we understand that it's a blessing to get older, but it's no fun sometimes to look in the mirror and see these changes. But what you should have fun is to do whatever you want to help to fight that process. So you know what? Consider getting older a a blessing, but if you want to fight it every step of the way, by all means do that and have fun doing it. You know, I think when you look at some of these things as a chore, like skincare, uh, eating a healthy diet, if you look at that as, geez, it's a chore, then it's going to be really hard. But if you look at it from the other perspective of like, man, it's so good to be alive. You know, it's, it's so good to have another day with my wife and kids. And that's something that I try to always think about. You know, in the book, I tell a story of, you know, one of the things my wife and I were big on is senior dog rescue. And so we rescue dogs that are older that, of, that can't find homes. And over the last seven or eight years, we've adopted five dogs. And they have taught me a big lesson because you take the this this little little being who is looking for a home, who is lonely and sad and scared and has potentially medical issues and maybe some chronic pain, and you bring him into your home. And after a span of a couple of months, you know, there's this little guy named Sammy where we adopted him, he was 12 years old. He had been attacked by a group of pit bulls and was in the hospital for many months. His owner gave him up to a rescue. And when my wife picked him up, he was in the basement of a house on a concrete floor with, with a little bed that smelled like pee because he no longer was house trained because he was in the hospital for so long. And so we brought him in our house and it took about three months where he was really skittish. He was, tried to run away a couple of times. And then all of a sudden he let out this sigh and you could tell that he knew he was home and he was with people who loved him. And throughout the two years, two or three years that we had him, he had multiple issues. He had a spine issue where he lost some of the use of his back legs and stuff. Uh, But the entire time as he struggled with some of his health, he was just so happy, happy to be alive, happy to have a family. Mm -hmm. Every time we would feed him, my wife would joke, he's smiling at you saying, thank you for my food. Mm -hmm. And and he died. And it it was so sad to see him go, but I was with him when he took his last breath. And is there anything that is more of a blessing than having this little creature come into your life? Teach you that being alive is such a blessing, no matter what state that you're in, and then to, to have that gift of being able to say goodbye to them and be there for the last breath. I mean, there isn't anything to me and some other than my kids, I guess that matters more. And so I think that's the way I look at aging, you know, is, is you got to look at it from a holistic perspective, a uh, whole body type
1: of a thing. Mm, that's so beautiful, Dr. Yoon. You know, I just lost my dog. I don't know if you knew. You probably wouldn't know that, but literally. I didn't know that two weeks ago and I had never oh, been with a dog geez. and she was an old girl. You know, she was a German shepherd and she'd lived a, a, a wonderful life. And, but so much, so much of what you're describing, I I literally just went through and you could not be more spot on. I, I saw her take her last breath and I'd never been through that with a dog ever. And, yeah. but, but in reflection, the, the lessons learned and the gifts given and, you know, she was a rescue also, but it's like in many ways they Uh save us, but they teach us. And to your point, I mean, it it can be, aging can be all these things. It can be gratitude. It can be, you know, focusing on what's important in life, but it can also, but I think it's still okay to care enough to put energy into whatever makes you feel great. And that's, if there have been criticisms of, even me on the show talking with other women about aging or even just bringing up aging too much. You know, some people are like, give it a rest already. Like, can't just, why don't you just accept getting old? And, you know, and I'm like, I don't know. I just don't subscribe to that. I think it, it, we can invest in ourselves in all of these ways and, and that's okay. You know?
0: Exactly. I mean, I think, some people who don't understand, let's say, oh, how does it feel like to get Botox or to get some of these treatments? You just think, and it's not the same thing, but think about how you feel when you go to a store and you find an outfit that you really like and you put it on and you go out with your friends for the evening and you just feel there's something about wearing this outfit that just makes you feel good. And you you multiply that by 10 or hundred when you're thinking about getting these types of cosmetic treatments. Now, once again, it's not for everybody. I would never tell somebody you should get something done. Yeah. But at the same time, like this is kind of the mindset that a lot of people have who go through this that maybe some people don't quite understand is that feeling that you get when you're wearing that bright new shirt and you just feel mm-hmm. good inside. Like how can you judge somebody for wanting to have that feeling and mm-hmm. for just enjoying it? You know, yeah. obviously there are people who way overdo things, you know there you know surgery is a big deal and we want to take it seriously but there is that feeling that, you know, why I think we all deserve to feel that way sometimes. I mean, everybody deserves to feel beautiful at times yes. or hopefully all, all the time. time,
1: all the time to end on the diet piece. I was thinking back to what you said, and I, I love that you continue to say you don't know what you don't know. And you're constantly learning and you're, you know, you're not afraid to question things you've been taught in the past and staying open to the research and what's out there and looking for that mm-hmm. information as yeah. it as it pertains to doctors in medical school, because even in perimenopause and menopause, I hear so many female physicians even say, this isn't even something we spent any time on in med school. Like it was like a drop in the bucket. It was like two weeks we're even talking about menopause for women. And I think about the food piece and how so many people still to this day go to their general practitioner and are never asked what they eat, or they're not talking about like ways to feel better with food intake and whatnot. So do you think that's changing at all? Like as far as like the people in school today or in med school, is that coming into the fold at all?
0: I think it is, but not to the extent that it should. And the problem is, is it's not even, you know, you've, I feel bad because it's not even the doctor's fault. It really is the fault, honestly, of our healthcare system and the insurance companies, you know, mm. insurance, insurance companies will not pay the doctors enough money to counsel their patients on these types of things. If you did take the time to counsel each patient on this, you just wouldn't have enough time to do it. And so could you get like your, uh, you know, a nutritionist to do it? The problem is insurance doesn't pay for all this stuff. And what they pay is so little that it's not worth the physician's time. They're gonna lose money a lot of times on this. And so the doctors who have really taken the lead in this kind of root cause medicine, and teaching people that your environment and your diet, and there's all these things that you can do to change, they're typically in the more functional medicine realm. And in order to do that, they have to charge cash and it can get really expensive. But unfortunately, insurance is not going to pay for a doctor to truly go over all this stuff uh, because they, they, they just won't pay for it. You know, you don't have enough time. And so doctors cannot have practices that are busy, that are profitable for them, if they take all their time doing that. And it really is Fair. kind of this catch 22. Yeah. Because if you don't go over it with them, then you'll have more patients coming in with illnesses that are, you know, that could have been prevented. Mm-hmm. And then you got to treat them. But once again, you just don't have time. And it just it's, it's a problem. I do think there's some medical schools who are taking steps to teach more of this preventative medicine. And honestly, you know, I uh, had a video recently, about it, basically was five things that I was wrong about. And I think that there are a lot. And, and one of the big things was throughout my career, I, like most physicians, didn't think highly of chiropractors and naturopaths. And just because that's what I was always taught is that, oh, you know, they're not real physicians. They're not real doctors. What do they know? And the fact is, is that I didn't know what I didn't know about their training and about what their a lot of their schooling is and a lot of what they study. And there are a lot of of my friends and colleagues who are chiropractors who are naturopathic physicians who are bril- brilliant and know so much more about nutrition and root cause medicine than I do, or than a lot of my colleagues in traditional medicine do. And mm-hmm. so the r- way I look at it is truly, we are a healthcare team. We should work together to help encourage our patients to be healthier and physicians, doctors alone cannot do that. We just don't have the the wherewithal of the facilities to do that. And that's where I think a lot of these alternative practitioners can really come into play to help people to be healthier.
1: Yes. Yes. The system hasn't been set up for that. However, I've got the answer. It's podcasts like this and books like yours. Okay. Oh,
0: thank you. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate mean, it. Thank God for
1: books and thank God, you know, for the knowledge because it, it really is out there today. And that's, you know, one of the upsides, I, I suppose, of, of the internet and the tech world. I'm so glad that we connected oh, and that you, you shared all this info yeah. with everybody at the at the start of a new year, armed with some good info like this.
0: Thank you so much for having me on, Kat. This was a lot of fun.
1: I appreciate it. No, thank you. You guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me on Kat Sadler Now. Don't forget to rate and review the show and make sure you're subscribed or following so you never miss an episode. It sure is a beautiful day. We'll see you next time.